Hi, and welcome to episode number 17 of CryptoChick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the CryptoChick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Suzanne Livingston, IBM's Food Trust Offering Director. In this episode, Suzanne talks about IBM's Food Trust Network, which is an ecosystem of producers, suppliers, manufacturers, retailers, and others who aim to create a sustainable food system. Suzanne goes into details about how Golden State Foods, the largest supplier of McDonald's hamburgers, uses blockchain to ensure food safety. She also discusses how a leading European grocery supplier uses blockchain to allow shoppers to scan a QR code and learn everything about the food they are purchasing. Let's get right to my interview with Suzanne. Enjoy! Okay, welcome to the show, Suzanne Livingston. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me. Yeah, wonderful. So Suzanne, you're the head of IBM Food Trust Network, right? Of uh, IBM Food Trust Offering Management, which is similar to product management in other companies. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your role there and, and what you're doing exactly? Yeah, happy to. Um, so Food Trust is a blockchain network um, that's targeted at the food industry. Uh, we have everyone from farms all the way through to retailers who use the Food Trust Network to share information about the food products that they're buying and selling from each other, and also deliver information about those food products even to consumers. Uh, and what I do, what my team does, is we work with these companies to understand what are the key pain points in the industry. Uh, what are the problems that we need to focus on solving and how can this blockchain network and data and transparency help solve those problems? And then we go work with our engineers to build new capabilities. We work with partners to build new apps that integrate with the network um, and deliver that to the market. Yeah. So, I mean, I've covered this topic quite a bit for my Forbes column, and I think it's one of the most interesting use cases of enterprise blockchain. So yeah, maybe talk a little bit about blockchain's role in all of this and how it's being used to track and trace food sources and, and also mention the um, retailers that are a part of this network. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I completely agree. It's one of the most interesting use cases for blockchain. It really began as a generic model for companies who need to share some value but don't necessarily trust each other, don't necessarily want to share data in a way that other companies would own their data. And it fit right in with the food industry because the industry as a whole has some common challenges that uh, making it difficult for them to know end to end where food has been, what's happened to it, what are the conditions, has that condi how have those conditions changed? And as a result, us as consumers have more challenges to deal with from the food industry. For example, food safety. That's one of the, the original use cases for this particular network where lots of people are getting sick still as a result of foodborne illnesses. What can we do to prevent that from happening? How can we get food out of the supply chain when we know it's contaminated? And even things like food waste, where a third of food is thrown out, or food fraud, where we have, you know, food products that are being mislabeled and sold under this mislabeling to consumers. So there's a lot of industry problems where blockchain came in and said, okay, each of these companies that are involved in the supply chain has 
a set of records that tells them who they're buying products from and who they're selling products to. So one step back, one step forward. But there hasn't been enough momentum behind a network where all the transactions, all data related to the movement and condition of that food is stored in a way that can be viewed end to end. And the reason for that is no company that we worked with, at least, wants to give away their core data about what they're buying, what they're selling. And so blockchain creates an environment where you don't have to know who the companies are that are in the network. You don't have to even see the content of their transactions. You can still trace a food product and understand where the source of that food product is without overexposing data. So it gives that trust. It gives transparency of the food ecosystem. And it does it efficiently by taking data that hadn't been digitized and making it digitized. So that finally created the recipe for companies who were even competitors, which we have a number of them, like retailers, which I'll, I'll share with you in a bit too, who are sharing data in the system, knowing that only those who are intended to see that data can see it, even consumers. Right. I mean, that's amazing. And obviously, you know, one of the greatest concerns today is about data and data sharing and privacy. So this is really um, a great solution for all that. And IBM doesn't own the data, correct? Absolutely not. That was one of the key requirements. So we we worked, um, we didn't build this network in a vacuum. We actually selected a number of companies to work with us as we built out the core network. And, you know, I remember back to some of our original meetings. One of the first discussions was about data ownership. Like, why should we give you IBM our data? You know, we're not looking for you to give us your data. We're looking for you to solve your own challenges by sharing data with each other in a selective way. So we don't own it. And what we did at that point is said, we, we really need this to be a client-driven governance model. And so we created the foundation for a governance council that oversees all activities related to the data that's within Food Trust, how it can be shared. Uh, they gave us the requirements around security and trust. Uh, they gave us the requirements around open standards and integration, interoperability with other systems, even ERP systems, non-IBM systems, systems of record for um, transaction information, e-commerce, et cetera. Um, and they just, they collectively determined that we would, um, we as the companies in this governance board own our own data. So any company who submits data owns the data that they've submitted and no other party can go and share that data without their permission or sell it. So only the data that you submit can be you have control over how it can be used and you can you continue to retain ownership of it that created enough of a uh, governance model to make companies comfortable with sharing data and they also are the ones who gave us permissioning access control requirements so unlike other public blockchain systems where every record is um, visible on the public ledger we've created a deeper level of access control and permissioning. So that data is not available to everybody, even in the network. It's only available to those who are specifically called out as having access to that data. 
And then in terms of governance, so you mean that the companies that are part of this network are the ones that are also governing the network or have some selectively been chosen to govern the network? Um, So there's a number of companies who have um, been, who are choosing each other. So they're choosing among themselves who are the companies to be in the advisory council, which is the name for our governance board. And in that advisory council, you've seen uh, some public discussions uh, uh, such as GSF, who's joined um, and who's actually the board lead right now. Um, And other companies who've been public about their use of food trust are also members of that. And they will say, you know, Suzanne or others on the team, we need, you know, a stronger policy for, um, you know, data acquisition, for example. Let, let's make sure that the requirements are laid out properly. Let's make sure that we come up with a model that, that we're comfortable with as that board. So it is a select set of companies who choose who's going to be on that panel and who, who's going to be on that board and who isn't. Right. So basically, blockchain technology is orchestrating the business rules between the parties in this supply chain then. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, obviously it's a private permission network, but it's still very much open and and the companies own their data. So I think it's a great a great solution for enterprises that are looking to use a blockchain network to trace and track food. Yes, exactly. And then they get to choose how much of that is visible, even how much of it is visible to a consumer. So I think um, you may have seen some of the demos that are out there publicly, for example, Carrefour, where they're putting QR codes on their food products and as a consumer, you can go into their stores and scan uh, specific food products with that QR code. And then when you scan that, it's actually sending information into Food Trust that helps identify its source. And as a consumer, you're looking back on your phone and you see what's the path? Where has this food been? Where was the farm that it, the original raw ingredients came from? Where was it processed? Where was it turned into the product that I have in my hand today? When did that happen? And then you can even go so far, in, in some cases, Carrefour has done this and others, uh, other companies are doing this as well. Share what you know about the conditions of that food product on its journey. For example, does it have an organic certification? Can I prove to you that it has one? And do that right from within the app. Or, um, for example, in the case of uh, GSF, they're also tracking IoT data. GSF is a a beef provider for the uh, fast food industry. And it's really important that food products stay within a particular temperature range, especially for consumers, not just for a taste, but also for safety. And so any time that food product goes out of the specific business rules of that temperature range, this uh, blockchain picks up on those discrepancies and makes it aware to the parties who are engaged in that transaction. Now, imagine as a consumer knowing, right, that the food product that you're buying has its cer- certifications. It's stayed within the temperature that it's supposed to have stayed within from the source. Um, you know where the source is. So you now know more about the food products that you're buying and can use that to help make decisions on where you spend your dollars in that store. Going back to the Carrefour example, that's really interesting. And actually, um, I was giving a lecture 
a brief lecture at Stanford University uh, the other day, and I mentioned this example because I, I actually discussed a lot about what IBM is doing because I'm, I, I just think it's amazing. And the students were so interested. And I told them about the car for example, but I was like, oh, I'm not sure if that's actually live in production yet where you can go in the store and scan the QR code. So is that actually a day? Yes, yes. Um, in fact, uh, Cars 4 put out a, a news article uh, not that long ago that had an example QR code in it. So you, and, and from anywhere in the world, so you could scan this QR code and then see the, um, and they did this through a web app on your phone. So as you scan that QR code, it would raise a browser in your phone and show you the path of that food product where the source ingredients came from and some videos even from that farm. Now they did this for a specific product in France that it's really important for the potatoes that are in this product to uh, consumers really care that they come from uh, a region in France, that they're not coming from outside France. So they made a, um, a video and they put out some information that shows you how to do it. So this is live. In fact, if you go into a car for also in Spain, we had one of uh, our team members in Spain actually go in and check it out. You can see a stand in the produce area that shows you how to download their app and how to scan products in uh, the store and then how to look for the products that are scannable. And they intend to roll this out to lots more products in their global stores. So it's growing in terms of how many num how many products you'll be able to scan as a consumer. Wow, I think that's so amazing. I mean, it's really, in my opinion, one of the best use cases of blockchain technology because consumers benefit from it as well. I mean, as a consumer, I love eating organic, usually vegan food. And so just to go into a grocery store, I mean, I hope that one day it actually comes to Whole Foods or like, you know, the stores that we have here in the U.S. because then I could just go in and scan, you know, the the avocado and, and see if that's actually from an organic farm, for instance. Exactly. And that I, I think, Rachel, you hit it on the head. Like consumers care about this information. They want to know that they're not buying something that's false or that um, is mislabeled. They want to know that they are getting what they are paying for. But if you go all the way back even to the other end of that supply chain to the farms, we now have a way to help farms to not only market themselves and market their food products, but also there are farms, there are producers who are spending more, they're investing more in creating better products for you, for me, for others. And they not only want recognition for that, but they want to be able to prove to us as consumers that they have done that work when you have a choice between two products, pick the product or pick that the item that has uh, come from a farm where they really care about sustainability or they really care about the processes in order to make that food um, as best of quality as it can be. I'll give you an example. They haven't talked about uh, their work publicly yet, but will. You know, there are some farms that are losing money, right? Because they are, uh, there are competitor products that are coming out there. And so there's a company that we're, we worked with that allows us to pay back those farms. As a consumer, you could even tip that farmer and say, you know, yes, I recognize that you're 
um, sustainable practices. They're important to me. I see that what you've done, I can scan the food product, see where it's been, see what practices that you've put in place as a farm. And I'm going to give you a tip for that because I want to make sure that your farm stays in business and that it continues to provide me those, that the great benefits that your products are providing me as a consumer. And that is, you know, happening on all ends of the spectrum from the consumer side, but all the way through to the farms. Wow. So it's, it benefits all, all parties involved, consumers, the farmers. It's amazing that, that blockchain can enable all of that. It is. And for the, you know, I think for the first time we have uh, really a, a system that companies are willing to share because they know that there's a greater benefit in terms of um, efficiencies in their supply chain, in terms of ensuring better quality food products to their consumers. And it has the right characteristics to make them willing to share that data. Whereas I think in the past, they've really struggled with, well, I don't want someone else to own my data, you know, for that end to end visibility there's going to end up being one party that owns all that data. And that's doesn't have to be the case. And with blockchain, it enables us to make it so it's not the case. Right. And I mean, I'm just curious. So obviously, this is all very new to the food industry. But was there is there another solution that was in place before blockchain that could enable all, all of this? Or is blockchain really the only technology that can allow this to happen where, you know, you can go in and scan the items and the, everyone benefits. So great question. I think there's been many attempts over, I want, I want to say decades now to create that Uber environment that all uh, food companies can share data to. There certainly are, you know, to been traceability solutions in the market for some time. Getting to a solution that in whole, a whole ecosystem of food participants is willing to stand behind, adopt, trust, be confident in, that hasn't happened enough for us to really see progress on onboarding all ends of the spectrum. I think we've seen a lot of examples of individual companies who have uh, worked with traceability tools and they can see uh, one step up, one step down, or they've worked with the scope of their own suppliers, but nothing that has brought on board a whole ecosystem. And that we're starting to pave the way for. And there are other solutions in blockchain too that are starting to emerge in the food space. And we welcome that. We say this is, this, this is the type of momentum that we need in order to have real impact in the food industry Given that we've built our solution on open standards, you know, we can integrate with other tools that are out there too. So it's a good thing for the food industry. We're starting to see that data end to end now where we haven't before, and not just for one pocket of uh, a hub and its spokes, but for several, for all, you know, multiple retailers from multiple major suppliers, all the way through to really small farms. And I mean, I also think it's important to mention here uh, for, for kind of the technical listeners that this is built on Hyperledger Fabric. That's the IBM blockchain, correct? That's right. So we um, Hyperledger Fabric is an open source blockchain. Um, there's many projects, there's many blockchains that are running on Hyperledger. Um, IBM Food Trust is built on Hyperledger through the IBM blockchain platform. And so IBM blockchain platform is a set of tools, components that you can use to create your own blockchain network. Um, it gives you some 
capabilities like document storage and membership authentication. And uh, we have built our applications for Food Trust on top of that platform. So the same set of components that you we use in Food Trust are also available for developers who are creating their own um, blockchain networks. Um, and we've, of course, built uh, application logic and blockchain components on top of that in order to make the Food Trust network work. And how many companies exactly are part of this network now? Because I mean, I know I've covered this a few times for Forbes, but I mean, I'm sure it's growing and maybe there are some updates that I need to know about. <laughs> well, I think at this point, we have over 100 companies. Uh, we have a number of um, the top five retailers in the U.S. on board. And we're, you know, we still are continuing to grow it outside of the U.S. and Europe as well. And uh, there's been a few programs that have been public. So um, I think you're aware Walmart has their leafy greens who are onboarding. There's been a lot of discussion about that. Um, we also uh, earlier this year had Albertsons join, which you um, also just uh, shared with the um, at the time that that came out. Um, of course, Nestle and Carrefour doing their work on QR codes and consumer traceability. So we're, we have, I think since, since April, uh, we've seen a number of farms come on board as a result of leafy greens uh, programs, both at Albertsons and at Walmart. And we've seen an additional set of use cases around paying back farms, around adjusting uh, supply chains to reduce food waste, and also bringing on board companies who are interested in tackling food fraud and sustainability, wanting to make sure custom consumers know what they're buying. So those are, are now pushing the envelope on what kinds of data we collect, what uh, we're going to be bringing to consumers, and how companies are expecting to interact with this blockchain system. Yeah, I mean, I also think one of the most interesting use cases is also what Golden State's Foods is doing, that's GSF that you've been referring to. Is it, I mean, in terms of like the QR code, would they want to apply something like that? Because I know that they're the biggest supplier um, for beef for McDonald's, right? Yes. Yep. And I think in the future, absolutely. I think right now their key focus is on making sure the products that they have stays within the optimal temperature, the optimal conditions while it's traveling through the supply chain and make sure that they're not wasting food product because it falls out of that temperature or because of you know where it's stored in inventory in the store. So they're very focused on um, ensuring that they have the right supply chain in order to deliver the highest quality product to the consumer. And I, I can imagine them, others who are in the quick serve industry, also going as far as the retailers have done with putting uh, out a way for consumers to scan and know the source of those food products. Right. I mean, I think it's going it, to, it would be so cool and fascinating if Golden State Foods, you know, with McDonald's, you could basically, and, and I don't eat at McDonald's, but for people who do, they could like scan a QR code and know that their burger came from this farm that has kept fresh the entire, you know, farm to McDonald's process. I think that would just be really amazing if they do implement that one day. Yeah, I can see that being a part of um, anyone who's part of Food Trust now, you know, is uh, 
absolutely thinking in the direction of consumers, how to interact with consumers, what information to present to them and using this as a channel to do that. Is Golden State Foods the only company that uses IoT technology in combination with blockchain or are there others that are also combining the two? Oh, uh, absolutely not. There's many who are using IoT devices and wanting to bring those IoT devices data into blockchain. And, you know, many, many times this is because there's potential for disputes. And so the ability of smart contracts to evaluate data as it's coming into the blockchain and determine whether there's a dispute or whether there's not, uh, that's one of the primary use cases. So we're seeing um, cold chain devices um, mainly right now as the focus of wanting to get temperature. So getting cold chain into the system has been a uh, major focus for us. But of course, there's other devices out there too, edge devices, um, there's uh, RFID for placement, knowing that a food product is absolutely in the area that you're expecting it to be in and having the tra uh, track and trace on the packages themselves. So we've seen use cases for IoT beyond um, GSF uh, for sure. Also, this is an example of a cryptocurrency neutral network, correct? Like there's no cryptocurrency involved in this blockchain network or, or am I wrong? I don't know. Maybe there was an update that's, that's been made. <laughs> Not at all. So the, there's no cryptocurrency in this network um, as it exists. I will say we have had companies who talked to us and said, you know, what about uh, delivering payments through this platform? Could we, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, send a payment to a farm. And so we've, um, we're integrating with payment platforms so that way we can deliver that through extensions to the platform, but not natively. And there's no requirement to have a, a currency exchange in the use of food trust. The only requirement is that there's a product and that product is being moved from one place to another or that you have temperature reading, condition data, uh, farm data, any type of data related to those products. So you can almost swap out funds and put in food. And that's what we're tracking. Right. No, I think that's that's so fascinating. And and of course, you know, in terms of the cryptocurrency aspect, it, it would only, in my opinion, make sense to, you know, the, the farmers to give them an extra incentive. But I guess, you know, maybe in the future, that would be cool. But it's also good to know that they're are blockchain networks out there that are just cryptocurrency neutral. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with you too. That I think that there's a lot of potential for um, ways to bring value to other parts of the supply chain, either through tokens, cryptocurrency, or direct payments. And we're, we're in discussions exploring ways to expand food trust into those areas too. And are there any other plans that you can discuss with us about the future of food trust? Like, are you going to be onboarding more companies into the network or any other information that hasn't been released yet or that, that will be released soon at least? Yeah, I think uh, absolutely we're bringing on board more companies we intend that this network is going to continue to grow, especially as more and more companies come on and they have specific use cases they're trying to solve or, or they're bringing on board particular suppliers, companies that they work with in order to address a systemic issue in their food supply chain. So absolutely see uh, growth with additional companies here in the U.S., but also in Europe and in South America and other parts of the world. I think the, the next area for us is really around uh, data. How can I better use the data that's being shared within Food Trust in order to make decisions about 
who my suppliers should be or decisions about where I store my food products, how I share uh, sustainability or uh, information about food products with my consumers. So I'm seeing more push into usage of the data uh, by companies who are looking to run their own analytics or they want to make better decisions in terms of what products to serve their customers with. So we're doing a lot in order to uh, not just have the app experiences that you've seen with Food Trust, but also to enable the data to be available through APIs, um, through data access means, um, so that data can be used by companies to make decisions and to be a critical part of how they make choices in their supply chain. So that's really where we're heading next in terms of the platform. Yeah, well, that's great to know. Um I actually, I recently spoke with Oracle about what they're doing to track sustainable honey uh, with the World Bee Project. And I thought that was interesting because they're using, Oracle doesn't own the data, but the World Bee Project is using the data for whatever you know they need to do with it, but also for research purposes. So I think it would be, and maybe IBM Food Trust is already doing this where companies can take that data and do you know the research and figure out all of that. But I thought that that was an interesting thing that Oracle is doing that, um, you know, with, with food as well. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool. There's a number of projects that are going on, um, uh, with, um, food. I think there's been a lot of attention on food. I think we have, we still have food safety incidents. And so there's a lot of effort on how do we make food safer? How do we get food out of the supply chain quickly? Um, of course, we have a solution for that, but there's also, you know, concepts that are um, being experimented on in the industry. And we're open to, you know, seeing how some of these experiments play out because they could impact the whole industry and bring on board, you know, other ways in which you could work with food data, um, but also integrate with other applications and I- ideas that are happening just now. Right. And then in terms of like moving forward, what are the biggest challenges that that are kind of in the way that, you know, you guys are working on to push forward and and have this go mainstream, I guess? I think the, the biggest challenge today for um, even just Food Trust as it stands is there are a number of companies and they're typically smaller in size who aren't tracking their uh, food at all digitally. And so we'll still come across, you know, farms, smaller companies, suppliers that are paper-based, manual, and getting them to adopt and change their practices. We've put in place some tools to make it easier. For example, you know, rather than think about, um, you know, sending data via API to a blockchain system, what if you're just working with the tools you're comfortable with, like spreadsheets? Um, web forms, um, submitting data through an app. And so even those, you know, the, the reducing the burden of adopting the technology still means that there's process changes that will have to happen in some farms and in some smaller suppliers, even with larger ones, you know, even with the larger, um, let's say enterprises or fa- larger farms, ma- having their food products retain a traceable view as it enters their facility and leaves their facility isn't always something they have. So, you know, you can imagine uh, that that bag salad that you buy that has four or five different types of, of lettuce in it, that may have been combined from a number of different farms products. And so keeping track of that themselves so that they can know 
when I have this lot number of that particular food product, I know exactly what farms contributed to it. There's still a lot of process change that has to happen in order to make true traceability work, not just in food trucks, in general, in the industry. And so this project and the work that we do is raised to light that, you know, not every company is traceable today or has put in place traceable processes. So that shift has been a challenge. And, you know, we've been working with them. They've been working on um, how to make their processes more uh, traceable and how to ensure that they can uh, name who that farm is while it goes through production. So we've, we've adopted what's called GS1, which is a, a industry standard for uh, food in uh, the food supply chain space. But also there's a, a way, there's a, me- a method that GS1 provides for traceability. And adopting that has been very helpful for companies who haven't done it before saying, okay, you know, it's now I actually have to change how I work in order to make sure that my food is traceable. And it's not just an IBM food trust. Uh, issue. That's a traceability issue in general. So that's been a challenge and that we're actively working with companies to help them understand how to get through that challenge and also how to change their processes to meet the needs of traceability. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's a really good point you bring up. And actually, it's funny, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I buy mixed greens all the time and I, and I didn't. it didn't even occur to me that, you know, the kale could be coming from a different farm than the spinach that's in that bag. That's really interesting. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And, you know, just keeping track of that in a way that is sustainable and makes sense. And we can see that as customers, as consumers. Right. Well, Suzanne, this has been a real pleasure speaking with you. Um, You know, you've answered all of my questions. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners before we end the interview? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, Food Trust has been based on a number of food companies who have come together and said, we want to solve some systemic problems in the food space, food safety, food authenticity, waste, fraud. And, you know, by no means is there only one, you know, company dictating how this uh, network is run. As I mentioned earlier, you know, it's really based on a number of companies who, uh, you know, have a, 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 have a desire for change and a desire to see progress in uh, in the food ecosystem. So we're we are an open platform. We have an open set of APIs. Um, we um, work with any food company, legitimate food companies, can come on board and share data and have connections to transaction partners um, in the ecosystem. Because we allow companies to lock down their data only to certain parties. It doesn't mean that as a member of Food Trust, you get to see everyone else's food transactions. That's a key tenant of what we do. So we are an open network for food participants, but each food participant gets to decide how open their transactions can be. And so I think with that in mind, you know, it's important to know, you know, we are not limited to certain companies, certain types of companies. Um, or only working with certain players, you can go online and set up an account for food trust, um, you know, access a subscription of food trust as anybody in the world today. So that I'd like to just reiterate the, the point that we are an open platform and we work with a number of food companies, not just the ones that you see in the news all the time, but also, you know, others who are really looking to solve these challenges too. 
Right. Well, I think it's so interesting. And like I said, it's it's one of my, if not my favorite examples of blockchain technology and what it's doing to change the world. So because I mean, as a consumer, it's important for me and I'm a health fanatic. So everything that I eat, it's important for me to know where that comes from. <laughs> awesome. Well, Rachel, as soon as you can, what's your favorite grocery stores to shop in? You, I know you mentioned Whole Foods. Is there anywhere else you like to go? Yeah. So I mean, Whole Foods, I think is my number one. I also enjoy Costco to, you know, they have, they have good options as well with the organic stuff. Excellent. So as, as soon as we get some uh, additional stores on board, I think you'll enjoy I will let you know and you can go and start scanning your food and find out really, is this authentic? Is it really what it says it is? Perfect. Well, I can't wait. And I'm sure the listeners are so excited. And uh, Suzanne, if, if the listeners want to follow you, do you have a Twitter or any way that they can connect with you? Yes. And I use it a lot to share um, news about the platform and also about our clients. Uh, my handle is Susie Livingston, S-U-Z-I-E. L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N. Perfect. Okay. Hear that everyone connect. So wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you for having me, Rachel. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Suzanne Livingston and the IBM Food Trust Network. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you next time.